Hey y'all, thank y'all for tuning in to Black Girl True Crime. I am your host, Kay Simone, and I got to say from me to y'all, y'all are the damn bee's knees, okay? I'm so appreciative of the kind words and support. I said it in the intro, could be two of y'all, ten of y'all, or none of y'all. I could have been talking to my damn self, but y'all make your girl feel seen and heard. Now, I'm not going to waste too much time. We're going to just hop into the case. I'm going to discuss everything as far as like the podcast and what's to be expected towards the end. But I want to get into Junior. So major trigger warning, I'm going to be talking about the murder of a child. This boy was 15 years old when he was targeted by notorious gang Trinitaria outside of a bodega in the Belmont neighborhood of the Bronx. It's bad, y'all. I ain't even going to hold you. It's bad. He was a baby. He was 15 years old. And the video of his death went viral on social media. And then the gang folded <laughs> right after that. Folded like a house of cards. So we can be talking about all of that. So let's get into it. I just got to let y'all know it's going to be a two-part episode. So, Lissandra Guzman Feliz, this is going to be part one. Part two is going to be airing by Friday. It's just a lot that happened with this case. I'm talking the international outrage, the people that reached out. Um, we got to talk about the courts, you know, the trial, court proceedings, like all of that. So, yeah, we gotta take, we're going to be taking a deep, deep dive into this case. So y'all can check out part two by this Friday. All right, y'all. So I want to dive right into this case. I don't know where y'all were. It was, yeah, 2018 when that viral video of Junior being murdered outside that bodega, when it hit social media, I saw it on the shade room and I was just scrolling, scrolling, get my scroll on, you know. Shade Room had posted uh, something about Junior, and then the algorithm of Instagram did its thing, right? So I started seeing the Justice for Junior hashtag, and I also came across uh, Genesis Collado Feliz. That's his sister. I came across her profile, and but under that Justice for Junior hashtag, I saw the video of what happened to him when he was drugged outside of that store. And the video, like, you you don't suspect, nobody is going to suspect that something so horrific and evil is going to happen. And I do not suggest that any of you go and look for the video. It's currently, they're trying to get it off of social media because people seem to forget his mother has had to see that video over and over. His sisters had to see it. His father has had to see it. His friends and other family members have had to see it. It's crippling to the Bronx community, and it, it needs to be taken off of social media. And shame on the fuckers that keep trying to keep the video up just for views, just for clout. People are so far removed from death and dying that they have no fucking empathy. None. This boy was 15 years old when he was murdered by the Trinitarius. So, and just to talk to how harrowing the video is, 
the owner of the Bronx, when his mother saw the the surveillance feed, she had a heart attack and died. We are not supposed to be so used to death and dying that we can watch a video of a child being hacked to death by machetes and knives on social media and then just keep scrolling. I had to log the fuck out because wait a fucking minute that that that's not that's not how this should be but unfortunately people are still trying to keep it up and I do not suggest y'all go search it out I understand morbid curiosity but that's just not something that we should be looking at now just a little bit about junior Lissandro Guzman Feliz was born November 11th 2002 in the Bronx now that is a borough in New York City, New York. He was born to Lissandro Guzman and Leandra Feliz. Together they had Lissandro Guzman Feliz respectively known as Junior, who was 15 at the time of his death. Genesis Criado Feliz was around 17 and Manuel Ortiz was around 30. It is unclear the occupation of Lissandro Guzman Junior's father but at the time of Junior's murder in 2018, Leandra Feliz was a housekeeper in the intensive care unit at St. Barnabas Hospital. This is the same place where her son would be declared dead. According to those who knew him, Junior was a light y'all. I mean, always smiling and radiating his good energy onto others. A simple click on the Justice for Junior hashtag really talks to how much he was loved and is loved. In almost every picture or every video, he has a smile on his face. So, you know, high school's triggering in and of itself, but there's always that one person, every day is a good day. Whether it's raining, whatever is going on, it's a good day. And, you know, you just, just want to be around that person because they got that good energy. Like, that is, that is Junior, so... Typical fashion, he's always getting his jig on. I'm going to be posting some clips and, you know, just some more information on Instagram, on TikTok, and Facebook. Um, but he attended the Dr. Richard Esquierdo Health and Science Charter School, where he was a sophomore. And he had his friend group, all right? So he met his friends in eighth grade, a solid trio. Christopher Lozano, Juan Garcia, and Catherine Olivia all had and still have amazing things to say about Junior. And of course, they were heavily impacted by the viral video of his death. We have to take into account the fallout from gang violence has a very wide radiance. So some of the things that his friends had to say about him. Christopher Lozano said he always listened to me. And when I was down, he would always try to make me happy in some way. Juan Garcia said, I wake up, I think about it, I go to sleep, and I can't. So I go to the cemetery, you know, like every week, and I say prayers. I talk to him, and I touch his grave. When I think about him now, I think about how happy of a person he was. He was always happy and never wanted to see us cry. Catherine Olivia, she's seen in a couple interviews, and she said there are times when little things remind me of him. Junior was a good boy. He aspired to become a detective and was a member of the NYPD Explorers program, which is a group of youths interested in law enforcement careers. Now, youth, they were so heavily impacted by Junior's death 
that they would also go on to join this explorers program because they wanted to follow in his footsteps like he really he he had his whole future laid out ahead of him he he would have went so far now after his death the nypd established the scholarship in junior's name now, through the generosity of the Police Foundation and in memory of Lysandra Guzman Feliz, there was a $10,000 award that was presented to two explorers in the amount of up to 5000 each. Now, Mayor Bill de Blasio would also say the murder of Junior has sent shockwaves of sadness through our city. Junior's life was taken too soon, but it will not be in vain. The scholarship will help more young New Yorkers learn about law enforcement and public service and ensure that Junior's legacy will never be forgotten. That is just to talk to just how much of a bright young man he was with a big, big future and how heavily impacted his community was. And we'll talk about that more uh, towards the end. Now, I also want to talk about the gang because this, this is important. Um, so I'm going to go into the history about the Trinitarius. So the Trinitarius was founded on Rikers Island in 1992. Some reports do say 1993. Founded by Leonidas Sierra and Julio Marine. Both men were serving time for separate murder charges and were under attack by the gangs in the prison. Now, I get it. I see what they were trying to do. Just what, what the gang goes on to do later. The math just wasn't math and that type of violence is just unnecessary. But while in the prison, so, you know, we got a common enemy, right? Like, they coming at us from all sides. They're not about to keep punking us. So, yeah, these two men banded together, and they created the Trinitarius to protect them and other Dominican prisoners. Now, allegedly, the Trinitarius take their name from a group of revolutionaries who helped lead the Dominican Republic to independence from Haiti in the 19th century. They also would go on to adopt their home country's motto, Dios, Patria y Libertad, which, which means God, Homeland, and Liberty. The tool of choice is the machete, and their gang colors are red, white, blue for its flag, and lime green for their homeland. Now, the gang spread through the prison system and onto the streets as members were released, according to the federal authorities. In 2011, the FBI called the Trinitarios rapidly expanding in the largest Dominican gang. By 2014, the Manhattan U.S. Attorney's Office said it had charged at least 147 Trinitarius members and associates since 2009. So the fighting was getting out of control, y'all. Like, the investigators, at this point, they had dismantled the gang's hierarchy and shit was coming to a head. Now, it took years to establish this, but basically they ended up putting all the older gang members... You know, they, they serve and they bids. So now that just leaves the youngins to run around, try to prove themselves, get some hair on their chest, you know, try to let people know, you know, who the fuck top dog is, basically. But they were doing it in all the wrong ways because, number one, gang violence ain't never accomplishing what y'all think it's going to accomplish. When I think of good gangs, I think of the ones where it's us against the government, okay? The government fucking us the most. So who's going to protect the women and children? Who's going to give us the resources and basically be the plugs to the community? That is any type of gang that I would support. But running around, killing young men, just to try and assert your dominance, 
that's not the way. So there is a New York Times article by Jan Ransom and Al Baker. Now that gave me some insight. Rule number two in the handbook is, if someone disrespects the Trinitarius gang, they must be dealt with swiftly and be severely punished. The punishment typically follows a pattern. They would move around in a crowd armed with machetes and knives and they hunt down and swarm their victims, stabbing and slashing them multiple times. So yeah, that is indeed a pattern because right before they murder Junior, they do this same thing to a 14-year-old boy who luckily survives. I'll get into that in a moment. So I want to break down the members of the Los Cirrus gang set so I don't confuse myself and y'all. But keep in mind that there are 14 members who would eventually be rounded up and convicted for the attack on Junior. But here are some key names to remember. We got Diego Suero, who was 29, and Frederick Then, and they're both leaders of the Los Cirrus gang set. And Frederick Then is said to be the lieutenant under Diego. The five men responsible for Junior's death are Antonio Rodriguez Hernandez, Johnny Key Martinez Estrella, 24, Jose Bunes, who was 21, Manuel Rivera, who was 18, and Elvin Garcia, who was 23. Now we got Kevin Alvarez and Michael Sosa Reyes. They played heavy parts in facilitating Junior's death, but they the snitches of the group. They took plea deals in exchange for them testifying against the other members. Now I gave you a little background on the Trinitarios, so we can fast forward to 2018. Rival factions of the Trinitarios gang in the Bronx were having growing tensions, mostly between Los Cirrus and Sunset Cruz. Between June 5th and June 19th, the fight among the sets led to at least two shootings and eight stabbings. Just days before Junior's death, a 14-year-old boy was brutally assaulted. And that was on the 18th of June on the Bronx River Parkway by a group of the Cirrus, some of who would take part in the attack on Junior. Now, Diego Suero and Frederick Them, as I stated before, they are said to be the leaders of the Los Cirrus set. Now, they were there when this boy was attacked. The boy was slashed 17 times and he ended up losing a kidney, but luckily he did survive. Now, this attack was allegedly brought on due to middle school beef that he had with a classmate who was a member of the Trinitarius. Now, I don't know if I said it before, but I'll say it right now. Right idea for the gang, wrong members, because what the fuck is this at y'all grown ass age? Y'all are hunting down a 14 year old boy over middle school beef. All right, but the team's mother, Keisha Hoke, thinks that it could have been avoided if the Department of Education and the Department of Homeless Services allowed them to um, be moved to a new location outside the Bronx. So, y'all, she felt like her son was in danger and tried to get the fuck on and was not helped. But luckily, he survived. Now, moving on to Kevin Alvarez. Now, as I stated before, he ended up taking a plea deal. And he said on trial that the temporary truce ended when someone got shot in the eye. After this happened, Diego Suero issued a 357 against Sunset members, which meant to find and kill them. So on the night of June 18th, a huge fight erupted. And then on June 20th, members of both Bronx sets spent the day hunting for their enemies. Now later that night, the members of the Lucerus set, they gathered outside of Diego Suero's apartment building, and he gave the gang instructions to head to Sunset area and look for their rivals. Now, this area was East 183rd Street in Adams Place, where their rivals were known for hanging out. So, they hopped in the whip, 
and they headed that way. Now around 11.30 that night, they would see Junior walking on the sidewalk on his phone. Now here is where I have to give y'all a sort of a trigger warning because we're going to get into what happened on the um, night of June 20th. So a lot of conflicting reports, y'all, on what happened on the night of June 20th. But I'm going to tell it to you the best way that I know how based off of the research that I have done. So on the night of June 20th, Leandra Felice, Junior's mother, basically asked him, like, okay, where are you headed to? Junior tells his mother that he had to meet a friend, Jason. Now, some reports say he never quite made it, but his friend Jason would later give interviews because... <laughs> Mans ended up having to fight for his life because people thought that he was the one who set Junior up. Jason would end up moving out of the Bronx and out of state due to the harassment that he would receive. He alleges that he called Junior just before 10 p.m. and Junior was playing his PS4 and he asked for $5. Junior mentioned to him that one of his friends had been attacked near Adam's place and that he was seen by a gang member and the gang member was kind of looking at him real funny, like mean mugging him. And so after they're shooting the shit, they are over on Bassford. They're shooting the shit, they're talking, they're smoking. Around 11 p.m., Leandra called Junior telling him to come on home. But Junior did not go straight home. Now, there was no text on Junior's phone necessarily to go to Adam's place. And he had made a call, according to law enforcement, and I'm not quite sure the details of that call, but it, it led him walking towards that area. So law enforcement also states that Los Sirius did not go out looking for Junior specifically. They had stopped at two places before that and were only trying to identify members of Sunset Crew. Now, the part that really breaks my heart is that they... They have this greeting. Now, when they state this greeting, if you are a part of a set, you are supposed to identify yourself. So they yelled out the greeting, and Junior wasn't paying attention. He walking along the side of his street, minding his business, looking at his smartphone. But when he hears people, you know, yelling at him or talking to him, he looks up. And unfortunately, that was enough for them to assume that he was sunset. In interviews with Leandra, she would go on to mention that in her profession, every night she would see kids that were wounded by stabbings and shootings and drug conflict, all due to the violence that was taking place over at Adam's place. She knew her son was beginning to make friends in that area, and she did try to warn him to be careful. Now, those friends were a little bit older, and they would go on to coordinate the memorials outside the bodega where Junior was killed. Now, to just put it in the perspective of the gang, they see Junior walking along the road. They call out to him, try to get him to identify if he was Sunset. Now, Alvarez would later testify that he looked surprised and scared, and he started running. Junior ran for his life, y'all. And I mean, like, he was out running cars. He was out running them on foot. There was at one point, cars tried to surround him and cut him off, but they would testify that he was just too quick on his feet. So he swerved into the bodega to attempt to hide behind a counter. And again, trigger warning, we're about to get into what happened. So one of the gang members, well, actually two of the gang members come in after Junior. And the owner of the bodega, he sees Junior. And yeah, he lets him behind the counter. 
he does try to shield this boy. The gang members come in and they get to lying saying that they're all a part of the gang. Uh, Michael Reyes Sosa, uh, one, the one who would end up testifying against the other gang, this man going to lie and say that Junior had attacked his grandmother. And it was just a whole bunch of bullshit. The owner of the bodega looking at them like, okay, all y'all get the fuck out. So he unlocks the cabinet. The, he unlocks the area to like the back counter. And immediately they start to go in there and, you know, they start to beat on Junior. They start to drag him out. And this might be things that y'all have seen in the news the way that they drug this boy out of this bodega, y'all, it is unreal. They had so many chances to stop this pursuit of this child. They chose to, to follow him in the cars. They chose to go into the store. They chose to make up the lies to get Junior from behind the counter. Then they chose to drag him out. And there's one particular like still clip that really is haunting. And it is Junior. He's holding on to the, to the frame of the store. And he looks up. And when he looks up, he sees these grown-ass men probably look like monsters. With these, One guy had a machete. The others had knives. And you can tell in his face he, he was petrified. He knew what was about to happen. And they proceed to drag him out. Junior did not have a chance. They immediately start to stab him repeatedly in an attack that would last 20 seconds. The attack would last 20 seconds of them just stabbing him all over. Now, once it's over, the gang books it back to their cars and they take off. Junior stumbles back into the store, and still the owner ain't got no damn clue, y'all. The owner kicks him out and tells him to walk to Barnabas Hospital, which is about a block away. So in my mind, the way I wish that this would have ended is Junior stumbling back into the store, this grown-ass man looking at this teenager, immediately applies pressure to his neck, immediately calls the ambulance for him, immediately does something to help this child. But instead he kicks him out. So another part that broke my heart about this surveillance is that Junior stumbles back out of the store now, there's not only surveillance, but there is cell phone footage because the people who lived above the store, across the street, wherever they were at, they were recording the chaos that was happening down below. And they, they knew Junior. They didn't know at the time that the person who was being attacked was Junior, but they quickly figure it out. But it's crazy how there were just so many chances that... Junior could have potentially gotten help, right? Because why are we recording this? I tend to look into the why of things. What compels you to see somebody being brutally attacked and you whip your phone out? I get it, I guess, to a certain degree. 
because of the fact that, you know, maybe this could be helpful. So I guess a small part of me understands. I would further understand it if the fucking ambulance was called before the phones were whipped out. Because what did the owner of that store do? Exactly. Anyway, I digress. I digress. So Junior has now stumbled out of this bodega. He realizes that he cannot get help inside. He looks up towards the people who are looking down on him from these apartments above. And he tries to like signal with his hands that he's going to go try and get himself some help at St. Barnabas. Now, a part that's really sad about this is Leandra had to see this over and over and over again. Her son's last moments where he's got his hand on his neck. He's realizing that he is wounded severely. At some point, he slumps down. He, he tries to brace his hands on his knees to prepare himself to run into the dark. Now, he collapses right outside the security checkpoint outside St. Barnabas Hospital. More cell phone footage captures his last moments where blood is just pouring down his body. There was so much blood that when they got his clothes off of him after he is deceased, the blood would go on to soak through the evidence bags and it, they had to rebag it. And his last moments is where he's begging for water because he's drowning in his own blood because the, the final wound to Junior went through one side of his neck and out the other and cut his jugular. So his last words were water, water. So at this point, the, the killers, they, they've already hopped up in the whip. They head back to Diego Suero's apartment. And they let him know that the deed is done. Diego Suero, he's at his place, but at the time of the attack, Frederick then, keep in mind he's another leader of the Lucerius, he is the lieutenant. He was standing at a distance just to make sure that the attack was facilitated and that they saw it through. So the crew goes back to Suero's apartment to hide their weapons. While they are there, they take a good gander at the gang pick of the Sunset crew. Not to say that they should just be riding around murking children, but don't you think that the time to do that should have been before the attack? So, of course, they can't find Junior in the picture, and it dawned on them that they may have killed the wrong person. Yep, y'all, that's when they realized that they killed the wrong person. And we'll find out in later testimonies, they all knew. Yeah. By the time they got back to the crib and they was looking at that picture, they was scratching their heads, putting two and two together. They was getting 14 because the math wasn't mathing. They knew that they had killed the wrong person. And what do they start to do? Oh, look. Dun, 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 dun. Like a damn snitch. Oh, man, that's cold. <laughs> Look like you about ready to go tell on somebody right damn now. And that's exactly what they start to do. But you know what? We are going to talk about that in part two. Because this concludes part one. There's just so much that goes into it. Like I said earlier, we still got to talk about the trial. We still got to talk about his family. Because while they sitting up in the crib trying to make this shit make sense, Leandra Feliz is over at St. Barnabas literally sobbing over her son's corpse. We need to get into all of that. And we just can't 
yeah, we need to do this justice. We got to do it right, y'all. So y'all going to catch me on part two. Part two is going to be coming out by Friday. I'm going to get into all the nitty gritty. Now, you can find me on TikTok, Black Girl True Crime. You can find me on Instagram, Black Girl underscore True Crime. You can find me on Facebook, Black Girl True Crime. Email case submissions, like anything that you might want me to cover. Or if you want to be a, co- a guest co-host on the podcast, email me at blackgirltruecrimepodcast at gmail.com. And, you know, just talk to me. I'll talk back with y'all. I just want to thank y'all so much for tuning in. I appreciate all the encouragement and y'all uplifting me. Y'all bugging me on social media as we speak. So let me go ahead and get this uploaded. I will catch y'all next time. Thank y'all for listening to Black Girl True Crime.